Hello and welcome. This is a baby sleep podcast for parents by parents, people who just happen to have children and frankly, really want a good night's sleep. That's got to be all of us, right? Apart from maybe you, Sarah, I guess. I'm Kat Cuby, parenting blogger, broadcaster and bum wiper of two small children. <laughs> and this is Sarah Carpenter, baby sleep expert who has helped thousands of families get more Z's and whose superpower is being able to function on absolutely zero sleep and 18 flat whites. Together, we are the Sleep Mums. This week's podcast is all about settling, which is not about settling for your partner or that old school phrase that suggests that once you become a parent, you must settle down. My slightly pink hair is testament to that. Settling is the word that we use to talk about how to help your baby to sleep all the time, but especially when it seems like they really don't want to. So here's five things about settling. I've already kind of touched on what settling is, but I think our first thing, our first thing, I'm turning into a Sean Connery here. (laughs) First thing should be to look more closely at what is. In the first year of life, babies learn so much. Some are life skills like walking, talking, eating, and of course doing hokey-cokey. These skills are not all automatic. Even the things our body does naturally can take patience and practice to do well. As parents, we know we have to guide babies through learning so many things. It's really a job that never stops. From holding their hands as they totter on tippy toes before walking to scraping porridge cement-like off the floor when they're weaning. And yet, folk often get a hard time for wanting to help their baby learn to sleep well. Helping baby to learn the skill of sleep can be as simple as setting up great sleep habits and teaching them to settle themselves, but not always. So, Sarah, what is settling? Well, first of all, settling is its a really broad word to cover absolutely everything that you'd expect in a baby. You know, we, we talk about settling in the sense of self-settling and assisted settling. So when, when we're referring to babies who are self-settling, that's when they've got to the point where they can just be popped into their cot, they can have a little bit of a grumble, or they can just goo and ga and quietly drift off to sleep. Literally the dream. The dream, exactly. The ultimate goal. Assisted settling or nurturing settling is when you find the thing that works for you and your baby to actually get them to sleep using you but not being on you. So baby has already been put down in the cot but then you're going to go through a sequence of things to find the method that works for you. It could be that baby likes to, depending on their age, they might want to sleep on their tummy so you can rub their bottom or back or pat their bottom and get them off to sleep that way when they're much smaller it might be that they want a firm hand held on their chest or a little tummy rub a stroke of the forehead you know it's it's physical touch but keeping the baby in the cot so they're not settling on you and then being put down asleep they are still being put down awake but you're using your physical touch or presence to get them off to sleep and that can be done at bedtime it can be done throughout the night when they wake up and it can be done for naps and during nap times you know obviously up to a certain point a baby is going to wake up because they're hungry but once you've established a good routine and you know that they're not waking up because they're hungry that's when you're going to start to use settling techniques to get them to go back to sleep during the night or during a nap. You can always give it a go to try and encourage them to go longer between feeds as well if you were wanting to extend those periods of time. Definitely 
you know, a prime example would be a baby who has been doing the three hours and then around about the sort of three, four week mark, you might want to start seeing if you can push them a little bit more overnight. So they might wake up at the standard sort of nine, ten o'clock, but you would just try and resettle them. And, then, you know, initially you're maybe only going to get another half an hour, but then as the days and weeks go by, that's going to start to stretch and stretch and stretch. Bless you. <laughs> It's sort of like having a tool belt, a parenting uh, set of tools that will help to get your baby off to sleep. So, and they, they'll be different between different babies. So for mine, uh, my daughter, because she was quite hard work, she needed quite uh, a strong settling technique. So we did the bum sugar, as we're saying, and she, she really needed it to be quite vigorous to take her mind off the fact that she was probably a bit overtired and oh my goodness me I spent hours shuggling her little bottom over her cot but it obviously ultimately worked uh, and my son was much more easygoing he just wanted to hold your hand super cute and that's the thing they are all different but also I think it's important to remember that just because you start with something doesn't mean that that's what you're going to finish with so you might use the bum sugar to start to calm them and then move on to the handhold or the head stroke yeah just as they are dropping off into that proper sleep cycle yeah I definitely had this like I was kind of very solid method of like vigorous bum sugaling more gentle bum sugaling and then just slowing it down to a heavy hand and then yeah leaving the room and being confident to leave the room not trying to leave the room like a ninja <laughs> well, I'm quite good at that as well. There's this horrible sleep phrase, cry it out, which frankly leaves most parents shuddering in their exhausted slippers. It's this idea that if baby isn't sleeping, you should just leave them in their crib, walk away and close the door and put some earplugs in, which sounds very old school parenting. But I have to say, even for the most soppy parent like me, it will probably cross your mind at some point just because you get so frustrated with with wanting your baby to sleep better so that's the second thing we're going to talk about Sarah what is cry out and how is it different from what we are calling sleep settling cry out is a very particular sleep training method um, it's not one that we would recommend we would support parents if that was the route that they wanted to go down but after really going into detail a lot about other methods Basically, with cry out, what you're suggesting is that you're going to pop them in their cot, you're going to leave them to cry, um, you might just leave them to cry until they fall asleep, or you might do a series of going in and out after a certain amount of time. So, you know, first time you'll go in after five minutes, then you'll go in after six minutes, then you'll go in after seven minutes, then eight. So you're always leaving them that little bit longer each time until they have fallen asleep by themselves. That differs drastically to what we're suggesting with um, sleep settling because we're taking a very hands-on much more gentle approach so um, yes there will be times when you leave your baby in the cot but we're listening to the cries we're listening to their needs so a lot of the time I would refer to a baby's cries in the same way as a gearbox of a car you know you've got your gears from one to five mm-hmm. you're not going to leave that baby when they get up to gear five you're definitely going to be in that room you would potentially leave them at a sort of gear one and two because that's a grumble it's just you know a lot of babies will make a noise they will grumble they will shout a little bit when they are 
going off to sleep. So you want them to have the opportunity to do that and then settle themselves. But you're not going to leave them to cry. At the point of them actually becoming upset and distressed, then you're going in and you're staying with them until they're calm again. So you really are having that hands-on support to get them to sleep and settle them that way. And using the techniques like that we've talked about that I think essentially kind of take their mind off the fact that if they are a wee bit wound up, it helps them to kind of calm down, to know that you're there and then for, to allow you to to leave the room. And hopefully if, you know, if they're still sort of drowsy but awake to fall asleep themselves. Yeah, you've reassured the baby of their surroundings. So, you know, we discussed it in one of the um, previous podcasts about the bedtime routines. But again, it comes down to, you know, if, if you have actually settled the baby in their cot, then they know where they are. So they're confident of where they are. If they've fallen asleep on you and then you've put them into the cot and you've had to resettle them, already they've come out of their sleep cycle, they're a little bit bamboozled by where they are and everything's going to take so much longer. If you've offered that comfort in the cot, they're 100% confident about their surroundings. They're going to be comfortable, reassured that you are still there, reassured that you're supporting them, but ready to fall asleep. So we talked about what settling is and what it's not, but the techniques that you use do vary as baby grows through their first year. So our third slice of settling cake should really be chatting through some of those settling techniques. We've touched on a few, but we also should probably talk about the no lift settle. So Sarah, what are some settling techniques and what is the no lift settle? Okay, so starting with the no lift settle is essentially what we've just said, you know, you want your baby to feel safe and confident in their cot. So once you've put them down and put them into their sleeping environment, you're not going to lift them. They're going to stay there until they are asleep. So that's when you really need to know your baby's cries. You want to be listening for the changes. You want to be going in and offering support as and when it's required. And there's no time limit on that. You know, with, with some methods where you are timing things, the no lift technique, you really are listening rather than timing. So there could be a 10 minute window where you don't need to go in at all, but then there might be a five minute window where you go in three times because you're judging it on what the baby sounds like. Okay. Once you've committed to the no lift settle, it's really important that you do follow it through to the end because you don't want to offer any confusion. You don't want them to suddenly think that if they shout louder, you're going to go in and pick them up. So you, you really need to avoid that. So once you start, again, it's that consistency and commitment and confidence to the techniques that you've chosen. I've always sort um, of thought of it a bit like breaking the seal. Like when you go to the pub and you go for a pee, yeah. that's it. You're done for. That's a wee done. bit like sometimes if you've kind of committed to that no lift settle, once you pick them up, you're like right back to the beginning again. Yeah, exactly. And so that's when I would always say, you know, if you do pick them up at some point you know if something has happened and you have decided that you need to pick them up reset things by leaving the room so to actually take the baby out of the bedroom calm them down and then come back in and start again so you're essentially starting the whole routine from the beginning but as that change of scene is going to mean that again you've got more confidence and baby knows exactly what's expected of them if you are going to look at one of the other techniques like a lifting technique then you know, it can, for some people, it can take a little bit longer to sort of get baby to settle. But what you would be doing is instead of using a sort of hands-on approach in the cot, 
you would be listening to the baby's noises and then when you feel it's appropriate, you'd be going in, lifting baby, calming them and then popping them back down into the cot. So you're still avoiding letting them fall asleep on you, but there's a, a little bit more of up and down and to and fro in with that one. And then your sort of techniques within your techniques. So once you've decided if you're going for the no lift or the lift in, then you've got your other settling techniques like your bum sugar, which basically is just a hand on the bottom and a really good sugar or a very firm pat, um, rubbing the back, holding a hand on the tummy or on the chest and giving them, you know, if they're sleeping on their back, you can put a hand on their chest or a hand on the tummy and give them a little rock. Um, stroking the head or the face or offering a comforter of some description you know if you're using a muslin or if you're using one of the little taggy blankets then you can stroke that across their face or stroke it down their hand and that can be the comforting um, settling technique that you use also using your um, white noise or a shush sound or music you want it loud enough that it is a distraction you actually want it so loud that it's they can hear it over themselves crying so that it does distract them out of the cry. It moves them away and then they realise that they're sleepy and that's when they're able to then self-settle. And you can also use a combination of these things. Like sometimes oh, I absolutely throw everything at it yeah. yeah. to Definitely. try and <laughs> encourage my daughter to sleep. There's no restrictions. So now we've talked through the various settling techniques and touched a wee bit on how they change as baby grows. Let's go into a wee bit more detail about how you might switch up your settling in that first year. So that's our fourth thing. So Sarah, how do settling techniques change by age? Maybe we should look at each sort of stage, I guess. So maybe birth to three months, three to six months, and then six months plus. How, how would you say settling techniques change? So the first sort of stage, the birth to three months, your settling is very different. You, you really are going with your baby. You know, those initial few weeks, baby is going to be asleep when you put them down, essentially. You know, they are going to, or, you know, most babies will have had a good feed. They'll be drifting off. So the key thing at that point is that you're just going to rouse them. You're not looking to have a wide awake baby that's ready to party. You're looking to have a sleepy baby who's ready to go to bed and you can just give them a little sugar, you know, be a little bit rougher when you're putting them down just so that they do sort of open their eyes and a bit more aware of their surroundings and then they just gently drift back off into sleep. So really in those the first time sort of stage, the first three months, you're going to be using firm hand. You're going to pop baby down, rouse them slightly, use a firm hand then on them just to give them that little bit of comfort before you step away from the sleeping environment. They're obviously going to be sleeping on their back, so it is just going to be a hand on the chest or the tummy, maybe a little sugar, um, and then you're going to leave baby. In that time frame as well, you're still likely to be swaddling. So they've also got that comfort. You know, the swaddle is a really, really good settling technique, and that keeps them snug and cosy, and then you're just using that little hand on them. By three to six months, they're more likely to have comforters as well. So it might be that the settling technique at that point, you are actually giving them the thing that calms them. What age do you recommend introducing a comforter? So I would always have a comforter safely in the cot from birth if you've decided that you want to use one. So if it's some sort of, you know, small um, blanket style taggy or 
one of the things with the sort of animal heads on it or something like that. You just have that down at their feet. So it's not actually near them initially. So it just becomes familiar. Exactly. It's the smell of their environment. Uh Uh-huh. And same with a muslin. You can just have a muslin somewhere in the Moses basket or cot, but below the head area. A lot of babies will actually become attached to their swaddling blanket and that will then become their comforter. So if you've used one of the big muslin style swaddling blankets, that can then become baby's comforter. So around about the time when they're starting to show signs of rolling over and you're um, weaning them off the swaddle, that would then just stay in the cot with them. And that's what they would use just to snuggle their face into and things like that. Obviously, you have to be pretty careful with any blanket style comforters. Definitely. The only style of comforters that you should use are breathable ones. So you do have to look for the safety side of it. But um, that, you know, muslins are great for that because they are totally breathable. So also the thing that changes in the three to six month mark is that you can roll baby gently onto the side. And so you can then start to use techniques like the bottom pat or the back rub. Um, So you've just got a little bit more of a vigorous settling technique and then just gently roll baby back onto their back as they're drifting off to sleep so they're still going to sleep on their back but you've just used different positions to help them get to sleep and usually that's Um, ideally on their left side left side because that encourages wind to move through the system yep I do the exact same to my husband to try and get the wind out (laughs) (laughs) yep it helps the digestive system, system flow, so it will help if there's any chat wind or anything like that. Um, and obviously, if your baby's got reflux, then it really helps with that. And then from six months plus, everything changes. You know, that's when a lot of babies are rolling over comfortably by that stage. So they will be sleeping on their tummy. Even if they're not fully rolling over after the six-month mark, a lot of them will naturally sleep on their tummy and want their bottom patted and that's the the sort of go-to one so it always surprises people I don't know how relevant this is on a podcast but I'm gonna just go for it that's what we're here on my leg to see you know people will go into the bottom part very tentatively but it really is a that we're looking for so it's quite a firm bottom pat um, which makes the baby move so you know baby's getting a little bit of a rock similar to how they would move when they're in their buggy or pram I think it's worth um, obviously saying as well that normally they have like multiple layers on of nappies and things like that so that that's a bit like <laughs> a bit of like spanking but it's it yes, is no. more of a, a comforting pat on a padded area <laughs> definitely that was straight onto my legs so it does sound a little bit different And then you would alternate between that and the back rub. So, you know, um, if you're finding that your baby is trying to get up into the crawling position, then, you you know, a really sort of comforting back rub can really help them to relax and that'll help them to naturally lie down. And then much further down the track, the sort of 10 months plus usually, babies can start trying to stand up in their coat and all these settling techniques become very, very difficult. And at that point, what you'd be looking to do is if a baby is standing up, don't fight with them. Don't try and force them to lie back down. You'd be looking at leaning into the cot, letting them sort of snuggle into your shoulder. So you're just leaning sort of over the bar. They can snuggle into your shoulder as you rub their back and pat their bottom as they're standing up. And then as they relax, that's when you would be gently lifting their legs away and helping them to lie down on their tummy or back at that point. And then just continue the technique that you've started while they've been standing up. 
that's such good advice because I think it's really, really tempting when baby gets to that stage and they are standing up to, li- even if you've been doing a no lift settle to, to pick them up because you naturally think, oh, well, they're standing up. What am I going to do? And you don't want to get into that battle, as you say, where you're trying to take their legs away and they're resisting it. And, you, you know, so that's really, really good advice. Mm. So your baby's cries can sound a wee bit like a siren in your heart. I think it's one of the hardest parts of settling. Their cry, especially if they're overtired, can sound frantic and it makes you want to react immediately, whipping them up, holding them close. So that's the fifth thing I want to talk about. Settling can be really hard. So let's chat through some tips and coping strategies. Of course, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being attentive. It's definitely instinctive as a parent or caregiver. But what I learned over a lot of sleepless time was that by picking my daughter up every single time she cried, I was actually disturbing her and preventing her from learning to go back to sleep. So Sarah, what are your top tips and any thoughts on coping strategies? The biggest one is you're not alone. You know, the the best way to cope with anything is to have backup. And yeah, there's going to be times that you are physically in the house on your own and you do have to follow it through by yourself but if you've got backup if you've got a partner in the house or if you've got somebody who can come around and help you over a few of the settlings it will make a massive difference so you know rather than you staying in the room and crying with your baby if there's somebody else there that can um, take over for a bit and give you a breather then do that you know come out of the room and you reset while somebody else takes over. It's not a failure. Like you just, you've done the right thing by getting the help. So that's really, really important. The second thing is to be consistent. I mean, that's, it is key, especially with settling. If you start trying to do new settling techniques and you do it once and you think it hasn't worked and then you change the next time, baby's not going to learn and neither are you because you're not actually ever going to get to the bottom of, there are levels of cry right before they go to sleep um, and some babies can really crank it up and increase the noise level and then just drop off really quickly and the only way you're going to find those limits is by seeing it through to the end. Totally you have to give them the chance to try and learn what you're teaching them to do and it's not going to happen immediately and I think that's thing that you know that we've said it before but you are learning and so is baby and you've got to give your both yourself and baby a break in that and 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 time to get used to it and learn definitely and you know once you do start to sort of work on your settling then do it for everything do it for naps and do it for overnight because the more you do it and the more baby does it the quicker you're both going to learn so and also you know starting with a nap means that you've got way more stamina than starting at bedtime Yeah, I mean, it it can feel pretty painful two, three in the morning to be, mm-hmm. you know, bum shuggling for 20 plus minutes or, or longer. I'm pretty sure I yeah. did it for a long, longer yeah. time. But Definitely. I think also it's quite important to say you are not robots. Your baby is not a robot and neither are you. And you don't have to, you know, yes, consistency is key, but we've said it a million times and we'll say it again. You know, if your heart is breaking and you want to pick up your baby, pick up your baby it's okay it's not going to make it all like go tits up or anything it's not going to spoil all your hard work you know we want you to enjoy your baby it's such an important part of it but also I I was going to just when you were talking about 
tag teaming with with some whether it's a family member or a friend or something if you are trying to do it also that thing of just taking yourself out of the room if, if it's getting a bit much you know and you feel like you want to go and just step into a different room and either scream yourself or just have a moment where you kind of gather your wits I still do it or especially do it with like having a teenager and a four with so much sass I sometimes I have to take myself into another room and take a breath because parenting is hard it is it really is and there's going to be days where you just don't have the stamina and that's okay and I think also we're talking about comforters and I definitely think we should do an episode about comforters and sleep associations but um creating those really consistent as we said but positive sleep associations that we've spoken about uh, as part of your schedule really help get baby into that settling zone before you're even in uh, even having to do any settling techniques yep let's answer a settling question this week it's from hannah Hey Kat and Sarah, I hear people saying that they can settle their baby in their cot without feeding, but nothing I do seems to work, so I end up lifting and feeding anyway. What am I doing wrong? Oh my goodness, that that was me. <laughs> Literally feeding every 45 minutes. <laughs> and none of you are doing anything wrong. It's again, it's this belief that, you know, you, as new mums, you're all meant to know exactly what you're doing. And you hear people talking about how their baby just drifts off to sleep perfectly and you immediately think that you're doing it wrong. None of you are wrong. You're doing what you need to do at the moment and that's fine, but then equally it's okay that you're now ready to change that. So in the case of feeling like you're always just falling back on the lifting and feeding, this is where you know the, the sort of routine and the consistency really come into play. So once you've decided on your routine, um, you know your bedtime routine but also your settling techniques that's when you have to follow it through and it's not going to happen first time you know you really are looking at using these techniques for every nap time and every settle and resettle throughout the night for a good three to five days in your case Hannah where you're actually lifting and feeding if you have got a partner who's at home that can do this, then that's the, the way to do it. You know, hand them over to somebody else to do it so that you're not, you haven't got that um, breastfeeding bond with them. I remember a top tip you gave me um, for me to wear a sweater or a t-shirt that belonged to my partner. And that meant that I didn't smell so strongly. <laughs> definitely yeah so sort of try and mask the smell of your milk and that'll it actually helps both it helps mum and baby because you feel less like you're attracting the baby and the baby can't smell you as much there's such an emotional component to it as well uh definitely oh I mean when you're standing over a cot and your boobs are leaking because your baby's crying because they're used to getting fed it is horrific it really is and we're not downplaying that at all but at the point when you decide that you want to put these techniques in place, it's because you're ready and that's what you've got to focus on, both for you and baby. You know, if you're at the point where you're ready to not be feeding to resettle, then baby's at the point where they really want to be going straight back to sleep. They don't want to be awake. They don't want to be up. And so, again, it comes back to having that really tight routine that you follow through each and every time and they do settle in the cot. I think there's a lot of guilt about putting your baby's needs before 
absolutely everything, which can end up sort of breaking you and you feel like I should be doing these things. They're, they're crying for me. They need me. My boobs are leaking. It makes sense to do those things. But actually, you know, it's a hard thing to get through. But if you can, when you do, you get both get more sleep and everyone feels better. Definitely, you know, and it's, it is very easy to um, fall into that um, sort of emotional trap of thinking, well, I am doing what my baby needs because, yeah. you know, all babies need fed. And of course, all babies need fed. So all babies need sleep as well. And, and obviously that goes for bottle feeding too. It's not just a, a breastfeeding no. thing because you're, you're a parent whatever and you want to fulfill your baby's needs. Mm-hmm. Even if there's not a physical component, yep. there's always an emotional component. Definitely. So that's five things about settling. Not as simple as it sounds perhaps, but so worth it in the end. At two and a half, a wee handhold for my son when he's going to sleep still settles him. Having the skills to settle my baby in a way that felt right to me as a parent was a total game changer. Some of that's working out what works for you and your baby, but as ever, also a big part of it is about being consistent. We really hope this episode helped. In many ways, sleep settling is kind of one of the things that can help everything to do with sleep because it gives you some really proactive tools. Please tell your friends about our podcast because that really makes a difference and it means the world to us. Subscribe, share on your socials and write us a lovely wee review. Thanks again for listening. Look after yourself and sleep soon.